shot first. Come on, grab your friends. We're gonna talk about Star Wars and stuff with Connor Oled and Andrew Roman. The fun will never end. Greeter shot first. Rhoda is uh, Jabba's son, right? From the Clone Wars. Okay. Yeah. And you don't ever see Jabba's wife, but it's like, do do huts produce asexually? I mean, that's all I'm trying to figure out. Here. Well, I. I mean, I, I kind of think they do, actually. Yeah, uh, makes sense. <laughs> I mean, they're they're slug species. Right? Yeah, exactly. I think there was like I think there was even something about that that like um, like one of the other huts that you see like in the Phantom Menace like is displaying as a female then, but yeah, like, then you like his he has another story that like, where he's like a man. <laughs> Well, either way, Uta Puta, everybody. Hello and welcome to Greedo Shot First. My name is Connor. I'm Andrew. And we're here to talk Star Wars, all things Star Wars, and anything even freaking related to Star Wars, namely Rhoda, or as he's uh, lovingly nicknamed by Ahsoka Tano, Stinky. Stinky. <laughs> we were talking about the movie uh, last time we came through here, remember? And that was actually the plot of the movie yes. was they had to save Jabba's son, who we never hear from again. Yes. Right? Yeah, who literally doesn't matter otherwise. And, I mean, to be fair, like, besides Jabba, there are a lot of huts out there. There are. There's, um, there's Zero, who's actually in the Star Wars lineage, and they actually show some of the huts in some of the episodes, I think, too. Yeah, right? I mean, I believe there is, I mean, not that to jump the shark and get into our Clone Wars analysis, but I do believe there is one arc that, like, is a hut arc. Yeah, it's like, I think they show it's like the five major hut families or something yeah. like that it's it's a very mafia-esque yeah and they all have these kind of very like uh classically oriented like appearances that make them look like different famous gangsters and stuff that's true i think some of them are like more adorned with like jewelry and like monocles and such like yeah. that the other big name that i just remembered was gardula yes gardula was actually the ruler of uh tatooine or at least had dominion over Tatooine before Jabba and there was a whole you know shift in power and whatnot and next thing you know Jabba's running the the pod racing course there right <laughs> yes and I uh, forget how it all goes but the so anyways yeah the Boonta Eve yes I couldn't think of what uh, the heck it was called whatever <laughs> I mean you can't really you can't really get a, go against pod racing can you I mean it's exciting don't get me wrong I mean everything else in the movie may have you know its problems but like Pod racing is exciting. <laughs> yes, yes, the pod pod racing was exciting. I will. That's about I will it. acknowledge that. <clears throat> Have you ever heard of the cheesy edits of the prequels, um, or the non cheese edits rather? I, I think I like just saw something like on YouTube or something about that, but I didn't watch it or I don't really know about it. It's something you want to sit down and like take some time about, but like essentially for anyone who doesn't know. The prequels, episode one through three, are cheesy. They're Swiss cheesy. I mean, they're, they are, uh, you know, there's uh, little jokes here and there. And, like, if you watch any of the deleted scenes, especially from, like, episode three, it gets even cheesier. But the whole idea behind the non-cheese edit is, and particularly the one that I saw, it's uh, some gentlemen or, you know, ladies on uh, YouTube actually take the movies and just cut them down and edit it to their own version of it, right? And the one I watched actually jumps to it begins at the pod race but you're at the very end of the pod race when it's just Anakin and Sebulba and then like from there it jumps to uh 
you know, 10 years later and, you know, Anakin's all grown up and like he's meeting Padme for the first time. So they completely get rid of the whole ending and like there's no sword fighting or anything like that. It's insane. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it, I remember I I almost finished watching it the one time, but um, you know, it is long. I think they they cut it into about like a 2-hour movie. You know. <laughs> nice. So, but I don't know, if to each their own. Yeah. You know, if you want to go out and enjoy it that way. I feel like that's, you know, from like our youth, the big thing was like the machete cut. Mm. Uh, which was just the proper way to watch Star Wars. <laughs> Start with A New Hope, then watch episodes two and three. Or no, episode two, then watch Empire, then watch the last 30 minutes of episode three, then watch Return of the Jedi, I think. That sounds pretty gnarly. That would be hard to do, but, <laughs> yeah, you know. And there is no Phantom Menace in that. I guess that makes sense, but that's just it. You know, people can take, you know, take it and run with that kind of deal. But, uh, you know, besides that, uh, you know, we want to talk Star Wars today and we have a big topic ahead of us. Uh, it is our top five episodes slash or arcs. rather slash arcs of the Clone Wars. I won the toss last week. And so this was my pick. And I don't know about you, but I had a really hard time with this list. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, like, and I know you even, like, I mean, I, I don't know what your selections are, so it's going to be a genuine surprise to me, but I know that you even cut it down further than I did. Like, every, like everything in my top five, plus, like, all four of my honorable mentions are complete story arcs. Fair enough. And I, like I said, I gave that bias, so we, you know, I, I'm completely fine with that because you can't have one without the other. And I tried to eliminate it a little bit. You know, I wanted to go for some standalones, but I think for the most part, when it comes to mine, they're actually ch- like just standalone episodes from a certain arc. Yes. So yeah, and that's but, fair. I mean, I think but, the you know, I think the standalone episodes are mostly just like the little kid episodes. Exactly. Like I, I anytime I try to tell someone about the Clone Wars and try to convince them as much, it's like yes, there are going to be like moments where. You're like, oh, there's Jar Jar, or oh, there's you know C3PO and so and such and such going off and doing their own thing, and I like I actually forced myself to watch them just because I wanted to make sure, you know, I wasn't missing anything. But at the same time, like I got excited as soon as that episode ended because I knew something better was coming around the corner. Yeah. You know, and I feel like I mean I would even say like there's really only a lot of like standalone episodes like in probably the first two seasons or so. Yeah, uh, I, you know, and then I'm, once it starts getting good in like the third season on like the really good episodes it's mostly arcs i've heard a lot of people say that you can almost skip the entire first season and i kind of agree with that like it there's still some fun with it but essentially just from season two on uh not only does the storytelling get way better but the animation is bumped up it's not as you know, stickly, I guess you could say. Yeah, they're not quite, like, as wooden. I mean, that's, like, one of the things that people always point out about, like, Obi-Wan's appearance is that literally, like, his his hair and beard look like they are carved out of actual wood. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, to each their own. He's, he's a very stout man anyway, yes. so what the hell? Dapper. <laughs> uh, I only wish that, uh, you know, they, he would have kept his, like, half-clone armor in the movies. Yes. I think that's always kind of a cool look for yeah. him. And I and like that was kind of when they were really making the big push to like the kind of newer updated version of like the rebel insignia. Yeah, that's also um, true. Like in the like, the Jedi Order sign- insignia that looks yeah, like, like the, the rebel insignia. It's a pre Phoenix bird look, I guess yeah. you could say. Yeah, and I have I'm very partial to that logo. 
<laughs> Nothing wrong with that, man. Uh, but um, we actually have a friend of ours who uh, who's been listening to the podcast, and uh, he's been uh, you know commending us, and we commend him for listening. We appreciate it. And uh, his name's Brandon. Uh, so hello, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. <laughs> and uh, he actually uh, he asked both of us a, a very poignant question that I think we should address. And uh, if you would like to take it off, uh, yeah. What is that question? So basically, he just kind of was saying that he's a person who has never really gone beyond like the live action movies, um, mm -hmm. you know. And he was kind of interested in some of our conversations surrounding the books. Um, so he just kind of asked, well, what's a good jumping on point for somebody to get into the books? And that is a good question because, uh, particularly for me, uh, like I said, like when I started working the job I'm working now, I had the ability to listen to audiobooks on a daily basis. And originally when I started listening to audiobooks, I was going for mainly, you know, movie books. So like when I found out, you know, I, I, you know Jurassic Park, right? You know, it was a great movie. You want to see where the book's at. Jaws had a great book, you know. I mean, it, it's a book before there was the movie, stuff like yeah, that. Those are all, you know, movie like movies based on books. Exactly, yeah. And uh, you know, and from there, you know, it was just the next logical step that I was like, I got to see what they have Star Wars wise, and let let alone did I realize that they just had an entire freaking catalog, just I mean, of anything you could think of, let, whether it be an entire series or just a. Uh, you know, a standalone novel in itself of just the, you know, hijinks in this random part of the galaxy. And, uh, you know, I think when you and I first really started hanging out, uh, I noticed that you had a huge collection of just paperbacks, right? Yes. Yeah. And I mean, so I'm definitely kind of the uh, expanded universe. Like, I, you know, I, I didn't read a lot of things like as they were coming out. So that's partially why they're all in paperback. Um, <laughs> but also just, you know, that's how a lot of those books were made available. Um, I think if we ever get to the point of live streaming, I'll have to, like, make a wall of all of my books. That wouldn't that be would, a bad thing. That would thing. be the background for us. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. I know uh, for a fact that I want to get this, um, I mean, off topic of books real quick, but I had seen a, a Greedo and a Han Funko Pop yes. like set. And I wanted to get it last time at Walmart, but it wasn't there. And I just wanted to bring it in, so we had it. You know, little, little good luck charm. <laughs> Maybe I'll get it at some point. I don't down know if line. it's that much of a good luck charm. Ah, I just figured it goes with the name, but I know what you mean. But I mean to get at the books, as you were saying, with the expanded universe that's now considered legends. You know, there are some good and there are some bad, right? Oh yeah, I mean, there's definitely. You know, to me, there's there's honestly a pretty hard dividing line between like when the books were published by Bantam Publishing and then when they became when they were published by Del Rey, and they're still mm -hmm. published by Del Rey now even after the uh, Disney acquisition. Um, just like when Del Rey acquired the book rights, like they really put together like the story team and they really made it so that like everything fits together perfectly. The they kept continuity. Yeah. And the, yeah. I mean, it's not to say that there aren't some very good Bantam books. I mean, like the original Thrawn trilogy is a Bantam book, um, as well as I think like the X-Wing series, which are, you know, probably the two that I've brought up the most so far. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong with, um, we're looking at the books right now. You said it's a legacy of the Force series. Yeah. So, well, so yeah. So the big Del Rey ones, I mean, honestly, there's only like a, a few of them. Uh, they mm -hmm. did the new Jedi Order. That was where they started. Yeah. Um, which is also the Yuuzhan Vong invasion that I've talked about previously. 
And that's what I want to get yeah. into myself, yeah. but go uh, ahead. So there's the new Jedi Order, then there's the Legacy of the Force, and then there's the Fate of the Jedi, are like the three big uh, runs that they did before the acquisition. And I, I mean, myself, I wanted to, I wanted to bring up the Legacy of the Force particularly because I feel like a lot of the elements in that story actually bled into what they were going for with like the new uh, trilogy. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I think, you know, I, I don't want to be like, spoilerific or whatever and this isn't really a spoiler <laughs> if you don't know yeah. the characters and you're probably not going to read the stories but yeah like there is a ton of Jaina solo that i see in ray mm-hmm. and there is a ton of uh jason solo that i see in ben solo aka kylo ren see that's one of the things that always bugged me like the the movies are great but like ben solo i want to know how they got the name ben because as far as I can remember, Ben was the name of uh, it's it's uh, Luke's son, right? Yes, yeah. In yeah. the uh, in the books, uh, Luke's son is named Ben because that makes sense because Ben knew Obi Wan Kenobi as Ben Kenobi. Exactly. But wonder if he's talking about old Ben. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Leia never knew Obi Wan as Ben, nor did Han. Yes. As far as Han was concerned, that was just the old <laughs> the old man, scraggly the, guy, the old wizard. Yeah, exactly. It's you know, it's no match for a shooting iron on your side or what have you. You know, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it, I mean that that kind of always irked me. But I mean, you could see that they were also pulling a lot of influence from it, like you said, because it's it's the you know the sins of the father kind of come and haunt uh you know poor Ben Solo and stuff like yeah. that. But uh, I mean, besides that, a lot of my favorite books that I've been reading uh, that I would recommend to people uh, have become legends, like namely. Uh, Darth Plagueis, mm-hmm. um, and that's, I mean, that's a running joke online of, have you ever heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis, you know, and it's like, uh, you want to hear about it, because it's like, oh my god, and like, I mean, Sidious only gives so much up in Revenge of the Sith about it, and, uh, you know, let alone, like I said, all it takes is the smallest detail, and next thing you know, there's a freaking novel about it, right? Right, and then, and, and then I guess also to that end, like, there's just like one small detail basically in the Plagueis book that basically renders it legends as opposed to an actual canon story. That is correct. And it irks me to this day because if you actually get a chance to read this book, you'll understand why Darth Plagueis is such a big character in the lore. Uh, I mean, just everything that he does yeah. How- sets up the events of the Star, the Skywalker saga, right? Yeah, exactly. That this is, you know, in many ways, even though he's not a character that appears, it is his story as much as anything. It's insane. And like, I mean, that, I, like I said, I, I don't read the books as much as I should. I listen to them. And that's the book I've listened to time and time and time again. And I never get bored of it. But I mean, beyond that, like... Uh, you know, with a new canon and a new expanded universe and stuff like that, you can't go wrong with uh, the Aftermath trilogy. And particularly, I mean, you don't have to love it for the story itself, but uh, there are a lot of uh, interludes where they'll take you to different parts of the galaxy. And it's all this stuff that happens right after Return of the Jedi. And, you know, it gives you a more concrete perspective of how widespread the destruction of the Death Star and all that kind of stuff is, you know. And you learn more. I, I mean, I brought up before that uh, you never would have thought you'd care about it, but the guy with the diaper on his head in Return of the Jedi, Malachi, <laughs> he has such a sad little story. And, like, he has an arc in two of the books where it's like he's walking away from Jabba's palace and he gets found by friends. And next thing you know, he's the beast master at this place called Freedom Town. 
<laughs> and one of the things he's actually, you know, trying to befriend is a little slug, a little hut, <laughs> who I'm almost certain has to be uh, Rhoda or Stinky. Oh, I see what I see what has happened here. <laughs> yeah, see, we're coming full circle, buddy. <laughs> All right, but regardless, I mean, other than that, you know, you can you can't go wrong with like a Darth Vader novel. Like, uh, there's um, Sith Rising, I think, is one. There's uh, you know, there's a, there's a Han, Lando, and Chewie one that's called Scoundrels, which I'm a fan of. It's like a it's a heist one, and then uh, you know, we'll talk about this more, but um. There is one that's just it's. They've stated that it stands out in the lore itself, and that's Death Troopers. It was more of like a fan fiction kind of deal. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if you read it, you'll understand why. It's a <laughs> yes. It was like I feel like they never really considered it part of like even the EU canon when that was canon. Fair enough. I know that that was like the first book you and your sister actually got me into. You let me borrow a book. You let me borrow it. And I did read it, and that was the first Star Wars audiobook that I got. And I was like, holy cow. <laughs> Particularly because the audiobook itself, uh, they add all the sound effects and whatnot. And when you hear the zombies in there, it's like, <gasps> you can't sleep easy. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but uh, I mean, other than that, you know, I mean, if you have any more questions about, you know, what other books or media you want to, you know, get into, you know, get at us on our Facebook page, Greedo Shot First Podcast. And, uh, you know, just let us know. But I mean, we, you know, we love talking about these books and we'll talk all day and night about it if it comes to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, I, just to, to weigh in on my couple of recommendations, um, you know, kind of coming again from more of like the EU per point of view, um, you know, so kind of the very first book that they actually wrote, um, that they wrote like in 1978 or something like that is called uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I've heard and of that. so that's, I mean, that's a pretty good starting point. Um, I mean, in fact, apparently like George Lucas had this plan in place that like he was already developing book deals in case the movie did flop. And <laughs> that was just like the first one that came out, but then all of a sudden it didn't flop. And so then a lot of those books actually got scrapped. Dang. Well, I mean, you, you see where it's at now. It's It's become a bigger monster than you could believe. Yeah. You know, it, you could fill a library almost with how much, you know, Star Wars material is out there. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, <laughs> I genuinely like I have an entire book shelf like in a room that nobody ever gets to see. That's basically <laughs> where all of my Star Wars books are hidden now. Um, oh. But the only other two I was going to recommend are. Uh, so if you want to read Legends, the very first one. Um, that follows the events of Return of the Jedi in the Legends canon is called The Truce at Bakura. I don't know. I mean, I honestly don't even remember what it's about, except okay. that there's like these weird aliens in it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but that's like, if you wanted to follow from the end of Jedi, that's where you start. And yeah. then uh, the, like the other th recommendation that I would give is start at Thrawn. I mean, obviously we've talked about him a lot so far, yeah, um, but you know, I think he—it's a pretty good jumping-on point. I mean, there's a few things that have happened by that point uh, in the story um, that I won't really get into too much. But um, you know, it's—it's it's still like an easy jumping-on point, and it is better writing than a lot of the other stories that came out around that time. And for what it's worth, they do a good job of making it seem like it—it it is the initial starting point itself. Yeah, uh, you know. I don't think Luke's established a new Jedi Order by that time. Like, he's still learning, mm -hmm. you know. No, you're, you're and, absolutely right. 
and like where they pick up, you know, it feels like it's genuinely the next movie in line. Yeah. That's what I loved about yeah. it. You I mean, know? I think that it would have made a lot of sense. I mean, if, exactly, yeah. if not for things beyond anybody's control. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? But I think it's, well, I think we should jump in on the, uh, on the, on list? the list though. Unless all you right, have much, I, I don't know what you were going to ask. No, all I was going to add was, um, you know, you can't go wrong with the, the, the movie books as well. Yeah, I know you're a big I'll fan just, of those. Yeah, I'll just say that much. If you, if you like the movie, uh, the books do a very good job of depicting everything that goes on, and they also add in all the deleted scenes, and it makes it that much more fluent. I had just finished the, the solo expanded version, but uh, we can save that for another day. Yes. It's a very good book, so regardless. Let's get into the big topic today. Top five Star Wars uh, no. <laughs> Top five Clone Wars. Star Wars arc. the Clone Wars. Star Wars the Clone Wars stories slash arcs slash episodes slash everything. So. Yes. <laughs> uh, if you would care, I would, uh, if you don't mind, rather, I'll, I will start this one off since I won. Uh, yeah. The one thing I guess I want to say before we really get into it, like, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to like, you know, we're not going to do detailed plot summaries of all of these stories that we're picking out. You know, yeah. but if you're not familiar with the Clone Wars, there's some very big time spoilers. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe now would be the time to pause that, watch the, you know, the first five seasons of the Clone Wars, and then come back, and then you can listen to the rest of what we have to say. At the very least, we could put something up on our Facebook that gives you uh, the ep- We'll say the name of the ep- of, of the episodes, and we'll have the the season and which episodes they are. Yeah. And we could even put that up on Facebook if you want to go and watch them yourselves. Um, I know there's even something out there that says like what order to watch all these in. Yeah, because that is you know? kind of an issue with the Clone Wars yeah. a little bit. Yeah, they're, they kind of bounce around, yeah. right? Yeah, there's, there's certain things that happen, and then you forget about it for an entire season, then they come back to it randomly, and it's like, oh, this ties into that one from like literally season one, and now I'm in the middle of season four. One of our favorite uh, albums was it My Chemical Romance is the Black Parade. Yes. Was notorious for that. Yeah. I loved going over that. Yeah. But regardless, yes. that's a whole other <laughs> <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> I don't know. You just made me think of it. But to get it off, spoilers ahead. Warning now. Yada yada yada. Here we go. My number five. Are you a fan of kaiju? Kaiju, like Godzilla, Mothra, oh, all yes, that happy yes. stuff. I know. Where I am. Going. Yeah, my, I am a huge fan of Kaiju, and that's why number five has to be the Zillow Beast arc, which includes episodes The Zillow Beast and The Zillow Beast Strike Back. Uh, that, this is season two, episode 18 and 19, and uh, it's my favorite thing because, I mean, there, there's no shortage of just strange and exotic animals and monsters in the Star Wars lore, but nothing was more gnarly than the Zillow Beast itself. Yeah, I I agree with that. Uh, that's... I will say that's just outside of my top five. Literally, not really? literally number six. All right, so you did consider <laughs> did, that makes yeah. me happy. Okay, um, but yeah, no, it was a very enjoyable. I mean, I, I won't even say enjoyable, but it was a very emotional storyline. Uh, well, yeah, the, you know, the beast is kind of very wrongly attacked, and you know, and I feel like a lot of characters that deal with it kind of are put in this very ugly moral quandary. Well, yeah, I mean, like, the Jedi alone can sense that, like, all this beast wants to do is just live its life. It wants to be on, you know, it wants to be left alone. I can't remember the name of the planet itself, but it's a... It's Malastare. It's Malastar. yeah, Malastare. Um, It's the, the, the Doug, it's the Doug race, the Sebulba from, you know, pod racing and Mm -hmm. all that. 
that he's a dog and this is where his home planet is and everything like that. But the dogs ask for, you know, assistance because they're, I mean, I think they were trying to come after their, uh, you know, the fuel supply or something like that, only to realize that like once they broke ground, it uh, unearthed this Zillow beast, right? So it kind of already has that Godzilla feel with like, you know, the nukes waking Godzilla. Yes. It's kind of that feel to it. But they sense the fear and like the anger in this thing and like the Jedi just want to do nothing but help. And I remember uh, specifically Anakin jumping on the back of the beast itself and just going for a swing and it just bounces right off. His lightsaber bounces right off. He's like, what the heck? You know, and then you realize the thing is, impen- you know, it's practically impenetrable. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, for that matter, they're like, this is the last of its kind. They're like, let's try and, uh, you know, take it alive. And they take it back to Coruscant, and that's where Zilla B strikes back. Son of a bitch wakes up, and he just wreaks havoc on Coruscant. And for some reason, the one person he's trying to go after is Palpatine. Do you think that he's going after him because he knows that he's Sidious? I mean, I have always thought that was a possibility. Like, yeah, you know, he does. Like, this, the beast certainly does have its, you know, some sort of like sentience that, like, kind of says, you know, the Jedi are kind of okay. Like, it doesn't really mm. want to kill the Jedi. Yeah, um, you know, but it really wants to kill Sidious. So yeah, and he like I think there's even a point where he sees like you know Sidious on a billboard or like a hologram billboard, and he's just like wreaks havoc on it and all this kind of stuff but it is a fun little arc if you're a fan of big monsters you know it's a you know it's a it's an enjoyable watch it comes out of nowhere you know you never really expected that that to kind of go that way but i recommend it so zilla beast arc for me number five very good uh for me my fifth number five arc is ahsoka framed (gasps) Uh, Ooh, to catch a jedi yes is one of them right To catch a okay. Jedi, the wrong Jedi, um, and there's two others because it's it's uh, like it's well, just real quickly, it's it it's literally the very end of like the canonical Clone Wars. Yes, yeah, season five, yeah, season right? five, episode seventeen through episode twenty. Oh, and that, oh yeah, you're you're kind of giving me chills on it because everything's coming back to me on that because I I I had considered it, it's not on my list at all, but it is a good story. I mean, if you want to lay it out a little bit. I can help you out. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, just very, very briefly. I mean, it's basically they, um, uh, Ahsoka and Anakin are away on a mission, and they get summoned back to Coruscant uh, because there was an attack on the Jedi Temple, um, and it was this like nano machine attack, basically, like a nano bomb. Yeah. Um, which is creepy in its own right, and then, um, basically. Ahsoka is trying to help the woman who was accused of the crime and basically is, is framed for this woman's downfall. And as such, um, (laughs) Admiral Tarkin, Uh, (laughs) that Tarkin, um, gets involved and basically tells the Jedi order that if they don't kick Ahsoka out of the order, um, like the empire or the, or well, not the emperor, uh, the Republic. But the Republic and, and the Chancellor are going to be extremely disappointed, and they're probably going to have to take some actions to separate themselves from the Jedi. It, it I, I did like that they threw in Tarkin. Like, they brought him back randomly for a couple episodes, 
and uh, he, you know, he'll pop up here and there, but like you kind of saw where his xenophobia was coming there. He, he didn't much care for the Jedi in the first place. He doesn't believe in their, you know, the way that they operate. He thinks it's kind of like barbaric almost. But, you know, he had no feelings whatsoever. He was just like, this has to be done. You know, it's the law. Yeah. And he he didn't want to hear anything other than that. Like, he was like, this, she's definitely guilty of this, you know. But the the whole twist and turn of it and, like, where she ends up, you know, in her path towards, you know, the inevitable end is, like, insane. And I think, like, particularly, like I said, when we saw Ahsoka for the first time, we just imagined... That, you know, oh, she's just, you know, going to be a, a, a random body in episode three. But, you know, five seasons later, you just don't want anything bad to happen to her. Right. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. And I mean, in one way, it is kind of nice because it is a little bit of plot armor for her. Um, but, uh, you know, and on the other hand, it's like, well, you know, it's, it's fine. It's all, uh, you know, I think it's a very it's obviously an incredibly powerful sequence. I mean, I guess I just want to end with this. Uh, these are literally the last three lines of uh, the final episode. Let me get some tissues. Hold on. <laughs> uh, this is Ahsoka. Maybe, but I have to sort this out on my own, without the council and without you. And then Anakin is speaking to her, and he, he says, I understand. More than you realize, I understand wanting to walk away from the Order. I know. Is Ahsoka's final lines, the final lines of the canonical Clone Wars. So she, like, you almost know that she knows, like, something yeah, is about up Padme with Anakin. or whatever the case may be. Yeah, and I mean, that's another thing that the Clone Wars do is they they give a lot more life to Anakin than he was portrayed in the live action movies. Yes. And I mean, you care a lot more for him, and you feel even worse for his downfall because of his portrayal in the Clone Wars. I think. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Know? I mean, I think it it makes him it makes his path so much more complex yeah you see him for the hero that he's supposed to supposedly being justified as yes. but yeah it that is a heartbreaking episode it's uh well just a whole arc itself like i said if you're able to watch it one through five and get to that point it will be a hard watch and you'll be like i can't believe this is the end of the freaking series right here but that's why i'm happy they're bringing it back but to get back on track now like i said i had a hard time kind of splitting this stuff up and I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, try and do like a standalone episode here and there, but it's hard. So what I actually did was I pulled my favorite episode out of this one arc. And uh, this episode for number four is called simply The Box. This is the one with Obi-Wan impersonating the, uh, the, the bounty, bounty hunter. hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's already like a crazy convoluted story right there. He like gets a voice changer. He gets a face changer. He shaves off his hair and his beard and everything like that. You know, he fakes his own death, which I mean, just sends Anakin into a freaking spiral. And, uh, but I mean, that's the episodes beforehand. Now the box itself is so cool because, um, it's just, a it's a hodgepodge of all these different bounty hunters from around the galaxy. And they're all kind of fighting to, you know, see who's inevitably going to make it out of the so-called box. You know, it, it, it essentially think of like the Hunger Games, but instead of being one winner, you know, you're going to have a team of like five to seven, I think, is how it ends up. And, I mean, it has Cad Bane in it, who's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, Cad Bane's great. Cad Bane is great, and, uh, you know, you can't go wrong with anything just Bounty Hunter-esque anyways. They're always going to be the coolest people out there. And, uh, you know, just the way that they portrayed it, it it's like essentially a death match. 
you know, if you weren't prepared for anything, then like you were just knocked off immediately. So yeah, no, that is. I mean, that is a fun one, a fun arc. That one did not. I didn't think it quite as highly. I guess it's not even like on my honor rolls. No, nah, well, yeah, list. like I said, I was going, I was trying to go for a standalone, and I figured out of all those, like it's not a great arc in itself. Yeah, I think but, that's um, fair. You know, I liked how the the um, you know disguised Obi Wan had to try and fight his Jedi urge more or less. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? All he wants to do is like you know just help and save everybody, even though they're kind of these despicable bounty hunters that have probably killed people for no real reason. <laughs> exactly. He's just like he's trying to remain humble, but at the same time he has to act like a scumbag. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So and like that and like that arc as it continues is like he, I feel like he gets into that even more. Just like yeah. really is like. This isn't me. Like I'm in over my head, basically. And and yeah. Anakin's emotions throughout all of that are like off the chain. Yeah, you see the pre Darth Vader that he will become. I think yeah. more in that than anything yeah. else. Yeah, I actually thought the story would lean into that even a little bit further. You never know. I mean, they, they like there are other episodes where they definitely covered it a lot yeah. more. But like you know, just through the whole series itself, like there were moments where he was just so emotionally frustrated that he just went straight up like near sith and like choked <laughs> choked a bitch out <laughs> yes no it's true uh but yeah so for me number four the box season four episode 17 okay sorry i had to say that yes no it's you're good you're good um my number four arc is young jedi Ooh, wait is this the with the little wookie yes <laughs> I love his lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember a lot about this episode, but yeah. his lightsaber, namely, was just made it of wood. It was made out of wood. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, like, I feel like I might already have this reputation on this podcast of being kind of like too serious, maybe. <laughs> like, ah, no, you're fine. I don't know. I, I'm just not, I'm not quite as like, m- I'm not as much of like a child at heart or something. I don't know. Well, but, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's all, it's all open to interpretation. Yeah. I'm not going to knock anything. But I, but like, I honestly, I can, I have an extremely vivid memory of watching this arc and just being like, this is so much fun. Yeah. Uh, like, so, I mean, so basically the premise is, um, uh, they are, it's like a group of like six young younglings. Um, I think it was a, a Rodian, a Wookiee. Yeah. I actually have it all here for you. Go ahead. Go ahead. So there is Gnodi, the Rodian. Which yes. you know, Rodian is like Greedo. Yeah. Uh, there is. What up? <laughs> there is Biff the Athorian, yeah. which yeah. is like the hammerhead uh, type of I th- people. Athorians are awesome. Yes. There's Gunji the Wookie. Yeah, Gunji. Petro, who is a human. Ah, uh, he was a. Little... And, yeah, a little pot star anyway. <laughs> um, Katuni, who is a Thalothian, which is like Adigalia. Yes. And uh, Zat, who is a Nautilin, like Kit Fisto. Was he? Yes. Oh, my God. I forgot about him. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that, that's a whole other thing I have to go back in. But, like, this is the, ep- I mean, this is the whole arc where uh, they, you know, they learn to rely on each other, right? Yes. And then they go and get their, their crystals, yeah. I think. Yeah, they travel to Ilum, which is a fascinating planet that I want to potentially talk about at some point along the we way. Could, we could talk planets. I mean, uh, I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, but so they, first they travel to Ilum to get their kyber crystals. And then they leave there. And along the way, they actually are, um, they come under attack by some of Hondo's pirates. Well, they don't even know what that means. Yes. <laughs> and they end up, they end up on his planet. Uh, and 
I don't know, just high like hijinks ensue. Yeah. Uh, Anytime Hondo's involved, yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> it's a great time. And like honestly, it was also a really great story for Ahsoka, who's also in it. So she's actually kind of like the chaperone. The yeah. Padawan chaperone for these younglings. It's like a you know, it's a, it's a kindergarten class with their, you know, twelve year old sister yeah. along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, come on guys, mom said I would be in charge. I'm not gonna get my five bucks yeah. or something. Yeah, like exactly. That. <laughs> uh, and like I mean it was kind of funny though, because when it ended, I mean, you know, and even at that point I maybe knew a little bit about where the uh, Clone Wars story was heading. But mm-hmm. like to me it was like, okay, well like Ahsoka did such a great job with these younglings, like she should go to the trials now, like to become a Jedi Knight. Right. And that's obviously not what happens. So. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, she, I mean, she proved herself enough just to be like her own little master, if not a teacher. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, that also just shows her growth throughout the series as well. I think like she, she started off as one of these kids basically, mm-hmm. and now she's becoming more of a mentor figure. Yes. You know, and she goes on to do her old thing, but yeah, you know, we'll get on. Yeah, to that we'll, later. we'll touch on that later, but or at another date and time. But anyway, but, uh, just quickly recap: that's that's actually another season five arc, uh, okay. season five, episode six through episode nine. No, oh, yeah, so right up the bat. Yes, yeah, double double season five. I mean, I you know, I think I am definitely maybe it's a recency bias that those are the ones that I've seen more recently. No, um, yeah, that's but, fine. Like, I just feel like it gets a lot stronger as it goes along. All right, well, I'll throw you back uh, with my number three. <clears throat> it is another arc, and uh, it involves one of the planets that I've always wanted to see more of, and, and just a, a culture, really, that I wanted to see more of, the Mandalore arc. Yes. Uh, uh, that involves, this is all season two, episode 12 through 14. It involves the episodes The Mandalore Plot, The Voyage of Temptation, and Duchess of Mandalore, and uh, it like <laughs> I don't think I knew it was called the Voyage of Temptation. It's a great episode. So I know all exactly right. what happens in that one. Oh yeah, yeah. But like, uh, so uh, to lay it out for you, uh, there are some it, Mandalore is where the Jango Fett comes from. It, it's essentially uh, where Boba Fett should have be hailing from, especially in like the EU uh, or the the legends now. Like he was like the ruler of Mandalore yes. and all this kind of stuff. So you always heard stuff about it, and this was the first time you actually got to see it like portrayed in a TV show or any kind of media. I think. I mean, uh, they. I guess they did it like the the Kotar games. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, there is. Um, like, well, I mean, that's kind of actually the premise of th- like the start of the first Kotor game. Um, it's like you have to. Is, well, you're at your. You've recently vanquished the Mandalorian threat because they were ah. trying to overrun the galaxy. Yeah. And along the way, one of your like companions, I think in both games, is a guy named Candorus uh, Ordo, who is a Mandalorian warrior. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, he helps you out and all this kind yeah. of stuff. I, I think I remember him from the Revan book that I read. Yes. Um, but regardless, getting back to the root of it, I. Mandalore is trying to stay neutral in the Clone Wars, and uh, they're led by Duchess Satine, and um, they are, you know, they call upon the help of the Jedi and the Republic basically because there is a rogue group of Mandalorians out there trying to wreak havoc and just, you know, get themselves started into the war on one side or the other, and they're called Death Watch. And you find out more about them as you go on, and uh, 
Obi-Wan and Anakin are sent to actually protect Duchess Satine. And then you realize, especially in uh, Voyage of Temptation, it sounds like the friggin' love boat there. (laughs) (laughs) That might be the point. Yeah, exactly. You realize that uh, Obi-Wan and Satine actually have a bit of a history. Yes. And uh, I think, I mean, I think there is even like, I remember like this kind of very like young adult series that was like called like Jedi Apprentice or something. Uh, but it like dealt with like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know if like they go there. I mean, I, I don't think I read them all and that was a really, really long time ago. Oh, I'll believe it. It would be it would be super impressive if they were able to actually retcon that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, essentially, all you need to know is that uh, a young Obi Wan and a young Satine came in contact with each other at some point in their shared history, and uh, you could almost say that Obi Wan had some of the temptations that Anakin let himself be taken by when it comes to Padme. Like there was there, it's a love story. Let's put it that yes. way. I think there's even a point in the story. I think it's that one where Obi-Wan says, you know, or like Satine just says as much as like Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan just goes like, okay, I'll say it. There's like, if I, things had changed, I would have loved you forever or something like that. You know, yeah. I can't remember exactly what he says, but you could tell that he super cares for Satine and like, you want to root for him at some point. And like, there's, you know, Anakin's trying to help, you know, just do this whole thing. But it's kind of fun for Anakin b- to be on the other side of this because he's the one hiding the secret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Um, and then, other than that, like, there's a one point where Anakin's like, I'll draw off the bad guys. You go save your girlfriend. And Obi-Wan's like, right. Wait, she's not my... <laughs> <laughs> yes, nah, you're, you're dead on with that one. Yeah, so, then, I mean, it's a good art. No, it is. And, I mean, and, and Satine appears again, like, towards the end of the show. Yeah. Um, and it's like, and I feel like we kind of get to see the opposite of that. And it's very, uh, I, well, just we get to see the other half of that dynamic and that relationship a little bit. And it's, I mean, it's extremely powerful. It's very emotional. Very powerful, very emotional. And, uh, you know, just, well, a gut punch almost sometimes. Yes. Which, uh, but- which does remind me, one thing I want to go back to with my young Jedi arc. Yeah. They, uh, <laughs> um, I was thinking about this and it's like, if you really think about it, I'm sure all of those younglings were brutally murdered by Anakin. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely crushed. <sighs> and, like, that that's what makes it even worse, because at first you just didn't give two craps about Ahsoka, and now you've grown to like these kids, and it's like, come on, yeah. man. <laughs> not Genji, not the Wookiee. Yeah, not the Wookiee Jedi. <laughs> he has the coolest lightsaber ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, hell, um... Again, if you, you know, if you like, uh, if you are big on Boba, if you're big on Django, and you want to learn more about Mandalore, you're not going to be upset with these episodes because there's just, I mean, it's just Django Fett after Django. I mean, they all look like Django Fett. They're all with the Mandalorian armor and everything. Yeah. So, have fun with it. Uh, the Mandalore arc, season two, episode twelve through fourteen. Have fun. Yes, I like that. That's think, my number. Yeah, three. I think this one might be a little shorter just because I don't actually have a whole lot written for it. Well, so my number talk. three is the return to Geonosis. <sighs> Ooh, you son of a! Oh, <laughs> this is, is a great one. Which is season two, episode four through season two, episode eight. Um, and basically, I mean, this was like kind of the first time I think in the run of the show where like you really reminded like this is a war show, you know? Right, and 
I mean, the stakes are even higher through that whole thing anyways, because it, it, like, one of the biggest things that people always ask is about, like, uh, you know, oh, you know, if they're so far away, why then just, you know, you know, hyperspace into the interior or something like that? Why did they land so far away? And it's like, because it's not the right strategy. You know, they there could be, you know, all these different complications and they want to try and get through it as safely as possible. Mm-hmm. And this is just it. Like, there's, so, there's like wave after wave of invasion and like it it's intense yeah Um, i mean like so to that end like the first episode of that arc is called landing on point rain mm -hmm. and i mean i believe it's the first truly great episode of the clone wars yeah and i mean it's like it's basically like if you took like the normandy beach landing from saving private ryan yes and made it into star wars you yeah you you pretty much hit the nail on the head right there because like there are i mean Anakin, Obi Wan, um, I think Kiati Mundi, mm-hmm. and probably somebody else I can't think of, Plo-Koon. but like Plocoon, they're all on their own like ships. They're all split up, and they all have their own objectives and like mission points and all this kind of stuff. But something goes wrong with each and every one of them, and it's like they have to overcome it, right? Mm-hmm. And it just shows you how like how much they have to conquer and how much they have to go over. And this goes back to what we were talking about where like when it comes to the clone wars, they're not just fighting robots, you know, like they were fighting Geonosians for the most part in that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of that and it's like kind of, again, it's like one of the first times where it really kind of feels violent, you know, yeah. it's like, cause you actually are seeing the Jedi kill like other living things as opposed to just droids. Oh yeah. You like slice, like slices the Geonosians in half and everything yeah. like that. So you do, it's like, it's it a little bit visceral there. Yeah. And then, and then, um, uh, and then, like the very next episode is like the assault on the weapons factory or something like that. I don't know, remember the exact name, but like it kind of also has this kind of very cool World War II parallel. Like, it kind of feels like the Great Escape, uh, like the Steve McQueen bo- or, uh, movie. Um, was it? Was this also the same arc where uh, it might have been a different episode, but they had the 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 troop carrier that was like walking on the side of the hill or something like that. I can't remember. I think, well, it might've been a different no, I think, episode. Actually, I think that's on my next. Okay. Uh, well, selection. I won't go too far. Into but, it. but the only other thing I guess I was going to bring up and again, like I haven't, nece- I haven't delved into it too much, but this is also like the first appearance of Barris. Yes. So yeah, um, that's who becomes very important. And then you have like the kind of creepy side. It ends with this creepy sci-fi story of, the brain invaders. Yes. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was actually part of your arc it or is, not. Yes. Because I mean, I think it's what is it? It's Barris and Ahsoka actually get trapped. Yes. And like they're trying to, you know, they're with a couple of the clones, and then next thing you know, like some kind of creepy ass larvae gets into their head, or yes. It, it so it turns into a zombie flick before too long. Exactly. It, so it's very free. Yeah. So it really. I mean, this is like. This arc has a bit of everything. I'll put it that yeah. way. Yeah, you, if you think you're going to get one thing, you end up getting another. So it, you can't really go wrong with it. But so that's um, is that season two? Yeah, season, season two, uh, okay. episodes four through eight. Four through eight. Yeah, please, please. But if you if you love anything, yeah. just go yeah. back and watch yeah. that. Like, that's a good like one. Connor. You know, Connor says you can skip the first, uh, like the first season, basically. Like, yeah. Well, actually, the first arc of the second season is pretty good. Uh, the yeah. holocron the holocron heist yes. yeah uh, but like this is really i think where the show comes into its own yeah well like i said it's cad bane at his best you know like when you first meet him like it, that's where the, the game changed i think is once they actually introduce cad bane yeah. but yeah. we'll get into that later sure <clears throat> for me for my number two 
and this was another hard one to pick because it's such a great arc in itself. I actually just picked my favorite episode out of the arc, and the episode is The Lawless. Okay. Season 5, episode 16. Okay. And I'll read you the uh, synopsis that I wrote down. It's a very short one. Using Satine as bait, Darth Maul lures Obi-Wan into a trap on Mandalore. And drunk with power, Maul declares himself the true Sith Lord. Uh, do you know where that's going? I know exactly where it's going. It's the culmination of the whole freaking thing. So prior to this episode, Darth Maul and his brother Savage, um, uh, they like they essentially rein in all of the cr- like criminal syndicates out there. Uh, I think they actually go to like Black Sun headquarters, and uh, Savage just kind of. Behead, you know, beheads everybody. <laughs> literally, like, runs down the table or throws his lightsaber down the table and, like, literally cuts off the head of all of the people that look like Prince Zizor but weren't Prince Zizor. Yeah, I can't think of what the heck their names are. <laughs> I know we know the species, I just can't think of the species. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they're all the heads of the Black Sun. And, uh, you know, from there, he just takes over everything, including uh, Death Watch. Yes. And, like, he takes Death Watch and actually, like, ransacks. Mandalore, mm-hmm. and he pronounces himself the you know the leader of Mandalore. And next thing you know, in this episode in particular, when you see uh, the Mandalorians in their armor, they actually all added like d- uh, Dathomirian horns, yes, l- like Zabrakian horns, just like uh, you know Darth Maul's crest and everything. So it's gnarly, and uh, like you were saying before, it's an emotional drive, and you know you feel yourself just kind of getting one gut punch after another. Also, it just has a lot of beautiful cinematography. Yeah, it really is, like, actually visually stunning to watch. And that's, I mean, beyond that, like, any other episode that involves just a, a, a gigantic war in itself, like, you'll find yourself just kind of wanting to pause it and just look at it, because there's so much that goes on in the background that you never notice. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, I think it's a very, uh, like, I mean, that's just one of the things that, like, for being, like, a, you know, a 22-minute children's show, like... <laughs> They sure had a budget for, like, making these unbelievable set pieces. And, I mean, just to culminate everything, without giving anything truly away, the, <laughs> the final battle of this episode is, like, fan service to the extreme. Oh, yeah. It might, oh. I mean, that, like, there's no question in my mind that is the single best scene in the entirety of the show. Probably the best sword fight out there. Yeah. Like, if you had to really... Uh, put it down to like lightsaber duels this duel i won't give away who is involved but you know like i said it is huge fan service and it's just like a yeah you know you you feel yourself like biting your own lip because you just want to shout and be like yeah you do that (laughs) (laughs) yes oh but yeah so for me number two the lawless and that's uh season five episode 16 and it's a whole nother arc before that so i'd say watch everything Prior to that, maybe even like I think want to say like episodes eleven and twelve, something like that. But regardless, watch yeah. the whole show; you won't regret it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, you're you are dead on the money with that. My number two, um, is the darkened world of Umbara. Oh, I had that. It's not on my list. Uh, okay. <laughs> I like I love that arc, but it was hard to pick between that and my other one. So okay. hit me I mean, up. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that. I'm actually surprised I, that we haven't overlapped really that much. Yeah, me too. Spo- Maybe it, spoiler, yeah. alert, spoiler alert. I'm going to come back to the, the Maul's criminal empire arc for yeah. my number one. Fair but, enough. Um, 
but that's besides the point. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the only time we've actually crossed over so far, which is, which is good. Um, yeah, only one episode, really. Yeah, so what the hell? Yeah. So anyways, so, Umbara. Yeah, so Umbara, uh, this, I mean, I this is a really great arc. Uh, I mean, I think they, like, one of the things that I really like about it is that it actually, it doesn't really have any Anakin or Obi-Wan or Ahsoka or anybody in it. Right. It's, it's like, like a clone trooper arc, basically. And you wouldn't expect yourself to even enjoy something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, I mean, I don't know if anybody knows this, but like literally there's one dude who did every clone trooper and it's like, well, how can you possibly actually add all of these different character elements to all of these characters? But D. Bradley Baker does it. Yeah, he well, he, he has like three different versions of the same voice, I think is what I heard. Yeah. It's like, there's the tough version, and then there's the cool version, and it's just like, I don't know, you know, like, all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know. But there's still a but, huge amount of variance. I mean, like, it's probably, like, this arc in particular deals with a, a character that I've already talked about as one of my favorites, uh, uh, Arc Trooper Fives. Fives. And then it's also uh, very heavy with Captain Rex. Yeah. And, and, and it's also, like, one of the only times where they kind of, you know, obviously refer to themselves as, we are the 501st. Yes. Which is a cool thing if, and if you're I mean, into that stuff. If no one knows, the 501st will eventually become known as Vader's Fist. Yes. It's the personal legion of Darth Vader. So, like, they're the elite of the elite. And, I mean, that's a whole other subject to actually get into. Like, I liked uh, the original Battlefront 2 for the story mode that they had, yeah. and it involved the 501st. But we can get into <laughs> that later. Yeah. Regardless, like, they are led... For, yeah, so you would think that they would have Obi-Wan and Anakin involved, but they you know, they have to go off and do their own thing. So they're actually led by a completely new introduced Jedi. His name is General Krill. Yes. And he is uh, a Basilisk. Yes. Uh, Basilisk. I don't even know how to really pronounce Basilisk. it. Basilisk. Uh, Basilisk. Okay. Um, if anyone remembers Dex from uh, Attack of the Clones, the... Uh, the the bar, t- the barkeep, or the diner keep, the guy who just sees the uh, the dart that Obi Wan pops up and goes, "Well, what do you know?" <laughs> like it's 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 like it's one of those Kamino darts, yeah. But essentially, a more badass version of him, uh, and he also has two double-ended lightsabers, collapsible double-ended lightsabers. Yes, yeah, like it's if you didn't with his four arms. It's so gnarly. It, like they, they, they show him for being just a powerhouse, and you're like, this guy's gonna freaking rock, you know? Like I can't wait to see what he does. And the next thing you know, he starts dismissing, uh, you know, Rex and Fives for who they are. Like he calls them out by number rather than by name. Yeah, he, he, like he he kind of very much tries to do this like dehumanization process. Yeah, you know, and it's like it. I mean, again, like I feel like I kind of use the same general words a lot but like it's very emotional insofar as like you're just like these you know these clone troopers they fight so hard to like be recognized as the individuals that they are and, and uh, like he's just trying to completely strip that away uh, and like i mean and his and his story just goes like it just spirals out of control from there i mean it's, yeah but he says eventually and this is spoilers right here we already said at the beginning but like he's trying to win the favor of dooku right yes yeah he would like to like he wants to be Dooku's apprentice or whatever. That's right, yeah. So he uh I mean like just right off of that, it's I mean, you know, he he is just an insane person to be around and uh, you know, he does he he tricks the clones into 
Almost, I mean, like it, it, it's it, just sacrificing themselves. Sacrificing themselves, like he doesn't have any kind of strategy, like you would expect from the other generals. He's kind of just like, you see that? Go towards that. And it's like, well, shouldn't we run for cover? And he's like, no, no. go towards that. <laughs> and I mean, like eventually it all get, lays itself out. But it's like yeah. they, they, I mean, they, uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It's, it's like they're, it's like they're committing fratricide the entire time. Well, yeah, I mean, and that literally happens at one point. Uh, yeah, like he actually tricks two separate squads into attacking each other. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's to me, it, it's this really kind of interesting early warning episode. Like that kind of shows just how bad the Jedi order has like kind of misjudged like some of its membership at this That's point. That's also true. Um, you know, just because they, they don't sense this darkness rising in, in crowd. Exactly. And I mean, it, you could see where like the flaws are coming in and all this kind of stuff in a lot of mistrust with, the uh you know the Jedi Council and all this kind of stuff you had made mention before when we talked about the Ahsoka arc um you know if Anakin was having doubts before I think that like with the Jedi Council in general that solidified it even more yeah no I I I actually I had that as a note for like as a talking point and I didn't really bring it up but like to me like when Ahsoka is first you know when she decides to leave the Order to me that is like the first major turning point for Anakin where yeah. he's like, I can do this. I don't have to be a Jedi to, to save everybody. Yeah. In fact, it, I might be better off not being a Jedi to try to save everybody. That could actually be part of the story element. I wouldn't be surprised where it's like, like you said, you know, he sees one person can do it. Why, why can't he? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's and like, it's kind of this really weird thing because like he takes all of the, like, Everything that Ahsoka does, like, she probably does do for the right reason. Yeah. But, like, everything, like, then Anakin sees that and it's like, I can do that too and does the exact wrong thing, <laughs> which is, uh, like, that's Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard it, like, more perfectly defined. That's Star Wars. <laughs> you know, or if you, if you could go back to a few episodes, with, it's the galaxy, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's all it's it a, is. It's a big place, man. Oh, my God. Okay, so... We're done number five, we're done number four, we're done number three, and we're done number two. Now, for number one, in my opinion, well, I mean, I, honestly, they're all number one in my heart. There's, there's never really a wrong story for it, but I like this one basically because it was one of the first times, well, I mean, no, that's not really a good way to put it, but this fed directly into the star, like the Revenge of the Sith storyline, so much, and I just I wanted to hear more about this because I was so curious of how it worked out. And I'm talking about the Fives arc uh, in the Lost Missions, the the biochip conspiracy, the biochip conspiracy. Yeah, so it's the first four episodes of the Lost Missions uh, season. So like they have episodes one through five, and uh, I think on Netflix primarily they released these 12 unannounced episodes originally. And the, the first four involved the uh, fives, ARC Trooper fives. Yes. And uh, essentially what goes down is, uh, you know, it, it's your typical, you know, opener to a Star Wars show or to the Clone Wars. Obi-Wan, Anakin, a couple random Jedi are fighting alongside all the, you know, all the clones and they're trying to fight against something. And like one of the, one of the clones, his name is Tub. Uh, he, uh, like starts having like, you know, just kind of like brain farts. He's like, uh, I'm trying to remember something. Uh, okay. I'm back in the fight. And you know, next thing, like, you know, he just kind of like a 
he has a, a switch flipped in his head and he's just like, kill Jedi, must kill Jedi. And he turns his gun on one of the Jedi who isn't Anakin or Obi-Wan and catches him off guard and just puts a freaking laser bolt in him. And from there, it turns into this, uh, you know, crazy mystery to find out why he, all of a sudden he just turned on his commander and like how anyone can even freaking understand it, you know. The reason I say it's a, it's an important one and it's number one is like I said, when it comes to Order sixty six, it was just so crazy that like like these people are clearly friends with the Jedi and like worked alongside him so well that all Palpatine had to say was execute Order sixty six, and like that they just did they just went cold. They're like we'll do it, we'll get it done, you know. And just kill these people that they fought alongside with for the past, you know, X amount of years. Yeah. No, it's definitely, um, you know, and I think it does fill in a lot of backstory. And I think that's actually a good way of looking at it is that, like, you know, from a story point of view, like, it fills in blanks in a way that maybe some of the other, like, you know, stories from the Clone Wars and some of my favorite stories from the Clone Wars aren't actually that important to the movies themselves. Yeah. To the saga. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's it's very um, like it really goes to a level that we don't see otherwise. And like, and once again, I think it's actually well positioned after me talking about like General Krell and uh, you know, and kind of his story and his fall, um, you know. And it's just like once again, this is a storyline where like the Jedi Order basically has it laid out in front of them that there's something much bigger and much worse going on. And they can't figure and they it out. Ju- yeah, and they're basically just, like, willfully ignorant of it. Well, they, I mean, for the most part, they try and, like, they try and find out, you know, they, they go about actually going to uh, Coruscant. They bring Tuff's body back because he gets killed, and they want to do an autopsy on him. But, you know, it's going to be a non-Jedi-sanctioned autopsy. Like, it's sanctioned by the Senate or something like that. And before they could even get to it, Fives, who was, I mean... It's kind of silly to say it this way, but it was like a brother to Top. Um, he tries to take care of him, you know, and he wants to like see what happened to my, you know, what happened to my, you know, my friend. And he wants to do the autopsy for himself. He finds out that there was actually a chip in his head, and it's an inhibitor chip or an, in- an enabler chip. I don't know which actually one works. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it causes the order to yes be carried out prematurely. Yeah, basically, his chip goes haywire. Um, and so that's what prompts him to execute it without hearing the command. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think like later on, particularly like in the, the rebel show, when you find out there's still like, uh, you know, clones out there, I, I think it was like Captain Rex and a couple other guys, like, um, they're like, well, shouldn't you be, you know, fighting us because we're Jedi or whatever? And he's like, nope. And they all point to like their crane, you know, the back of their cranium. And it's like, took the chip out, when, you know, when everything we heard it going down. Yeah. But that's another thing, like, you know, besides that and other media, you, you know, some of these uh, troopers who heard the order just completely ignored it. So it's like, I mean, you could tell that there was more faulty chips out there than just ones that caused it to happen prematurely. Right. Yeah, yeah, so, it can work both ways, um, you know, but it, yeah, I think that's actually, I think that's a fairly clever, elegant solution to like, well, not all clones are inherently bad then because they have these chips and there's ways around it. And Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was a very, uh, 
definitely like i mean honestly from there like in the lost missions like i don't know it kind of lo- it loses some steam for me well yeah because i i think what they were doing is they they were trying to build towards other things yeah. and yeah, it just kind of fell through branch out the story because you know because they kind of had dismissed ahsoka at the end of the previous season and so you, you know and it's not it, much you could do yeah, and i guess just like with the way the schedule worked out like they had already done these episodes before the disney acquisition like went through so then they released them, but they're, you know they're not considered part of the canon for whatever that's worth. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that makes a lot of sense because I think what the like the last few episodes are like a Yoda's spiritual journey. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, and, like he even encounters like Darth Bane, who's like he was voiced by uh, Luke or um, Mark Hamill. Yeah, yeah, I, I did know that. Um, yeah, but like though, like you know, but they, there's kind of this murkiness if Darth Bane is actually considered canon or not. Yeah. Um, at this point, I mean, he, well, he's probably a rife candidate to bring into the fold, but we'll have to see. One of the characters they actually bring up um, is a character we only hear by name in the movies is Master Sifo-Dyas. Yes. And Sifo-Dyas. Sifo-Dyas. Yeah. You know, look, you, you go into the books that like you, you see someone saying sifo you know, it's like it's kind of like all right. I've heard it one way, and I've had it this the other way. Cipher Diaz, Cifa Diaz, Cipherers. Regardless, it's this Jedi, and apparently he's the one who set up the order for all the clones. And that was always the thing that bugged me was like, all right, so this Jedi Master knew about this, and he set up this clone order, but like, how did he do it? How did he pay for it? And that's kind of where like Plagueis picks up the reins from it. But in the Clone Wars, they also brought him back. And I wish they would have explained that a little bit more, you know, like why he knew about needing the clone. Yeah. No, I think that, I mean, it's a story that we'll probably never really know the answer to. Yeah, fair I mean, maybe, th- maybe they'll tell the story in a book or something, but that's probably about as good as it's going to get. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unless one of the like multitude of new movies that are coming out after episode nine could delve into that era. It would I mean, be interesting. I mean, it is one thing I'll actually say, and I mean, I'm I'm kind of trying to wrap up here, but um, w- like I'm surprised and intrigued and kind of encouraged that you know a lot of the new books that are going to be coming out are kind of set in the prequel era, um, yeah, or even before that. So I mean, I wonder if we're going to see characters such as Plagueis or Master Sifo-Dyas or whatever like appear in those kind of books. I mean, there's going to be one uh, that is in like another story about young Obi-Wan with Qui-Gon. Yes. Um, they're doing one. Uh, it's like a Padme focus book. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think some of those options could be pretty, uh, you know, hopefully they'll be illuminating. I would hope so. I, I know I want to at least get into the uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon one myself, but uh, real quick, do we want to cover your number one? I know we said it as much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so as I kind of already revealed, my my number one is Maul's Criminal Empire, um, you know, which Connor kind of already touched on with his number two choice. Um, so that was the finale. Yeah, it, which was but... the finale. But we also touched on like how he recruits Black Sun and Death Watch and yeah. assorted other mercenary organizations and like criminal en- enterprises i i mean does he even like approach hondo and like at one point hondo's like i'm good i i, <laughs> I kind of think so but i don't i mean i, I can't i might just be like wishful thinking because like hondo's a likable character <laughs> exactly yeah he's like this is too much for me yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um yeah i mean you know to me it is like 
it is Maul in a way that we'd never get to see him, particularly in the Phantom Menace. You know, I think yeah. I, I I would personally say that I think Maul is like the most like misused character in all of Star Wars. Well, he had, I mean, he just had a lot of feeling behind him. Yeah. Like, it, definitely dark feelings. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but like you felt for the guy at points. Yeah, because I mean, I think you you kind of get this background that like. You know, like basically his whole life, he's just been trained to just hate. And like he like he realizes that it's wrong to be so hateful, but he can't do anything about it because that's all he knows. Yeah. So it's just I mean, it's incredible. Like it is to me, it's like the pinnacle of like the prequel story that we never that like you don't get to see unless you watch this cartoon <laughs> yeah but you know what yeah that that's that's what i loved about it is they brought him back and they just they made him that much more cool and like they also did the same thing i think with uh they realized how much of uh you know benefit they had behind Django and boba they're like people want more of the mandalores so let's do that mm-hmm. you know yeah. there you go yeah no absolutely i think that yeah it's kind of like maybe it is kind of you know pandering to the crowd or whatever but you know what they did it well like <laughs> you can pander to the crowd and screw it up yeah. Uh but this is that's not what they did in that instance. Yeah. Um so real quick to recap everything, that was our top five. Uh I have a couple honorable mentions and I'm wondering this is where this is where we'll uh cross over. So Darkness of um, on Umbara I actually had on my honorable mentions. I was practically number six. Yes. Uh in that arc uh <clears throat> would be like my number six. I also had the uh the Night Sisters arc. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, the birth of Savage mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Uh, the only other arc that I had was the Water War arc, yeah, where they were fighting on, on Moncala. Uh, Moncala, and I was all about it because my boy Admiral Akbar, well, he's Captain, Captain Akbar, but like he had a prominent role. I'm like, you go, man! Like you actually get to see him, like you know, dish dish some, uh, you know, kick ass out or whatever you want to call it, some <laughs> whoop ass. <laughs> what am I saying? But regardless, they also kind of like, I won't say they completely redeemed them, but they kind of gave some more credit to the Gungans there because it was like yeah, Mon Call, you know. They do, they show up and kind of save the day. They, yeah. Like that time frame, like, is that like in season three, I think? It's a uh, season four. Oh, okay. So it's the first three episodes of season oh, okay. four. But <laughs> there's like one stretch where like there's like a dozen straight episodes with Gungans in it. Yes, there's one episode where the Grievous is like he's ambushed by the Gungans and he's like, "You fools! You think you can take me on?" And they take him on yeah. and they f- they don't. Sorry, <laughs> they bring him down. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's exciting. Yeah. Oh God. No, uh, was, you can put a bleep in there. I, I will. I'll do something. <laughs> Regardless. So yeah, Grievous is taken down by gungans and it's just like okay that's that's kind of cool like they they didn't even make it silly like it was in the rain and it was super serious and all that so yeah. it's like they brought them out but regardless that's the only other arc the only other standalones i could come up with uh the first one i had was hostage crisis and that was uh, the last episode of the first season it was the only one i even considered because it was the introduction of cad bane yes and he was a great uh, character uh, there's also the final episode of season three, which is called Wookiee Hunt on trans uh, it, with the Transdosians, uh, mm. Bosk and all of his like. Yes. And Chewbacca makes a cameo. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that. And just for fun, I, I kind of throw it on here because, I mean, as we said, there are a lot of, uh, you know, kid oriented episodes. Like there are a lot of like 
you know, Jar Jar episodes here and there and a lot of droid episodes. And this one in particular is called Nomad Droids. And it's like a fun misadventure thing of uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 where they're trying to get back to the, you know, I think it's like a rendezvous. Yeah, but like a dinner they, party. Yeah, it's like they, they end up on the, you know, they end up becoming like go- the gods of like these like miniature race or something like that and like they just end up in all these different areas and like c-3po is trying to like help people out as best he can but it's c-3po so he kind of misinterprets everything that happens you know yeah so it's not necessarily top five caliber but if you're looking for something to have a laugh at can't go wrong with no bad droids yeah no i do that's that is a good one i like that um it is kind of like it's it is a like it's an actually funny one for kids Yes. Like, yeah. I mean, like some of them are just too goofy for me, but that's. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I'm almost thirty, and <laughs> I, I'm still watching a kids' cartoon show, so whatever. I know. Well, we, once we finish this, we'll get back to SpongeBob. It'll be cool. Yeah, it'll be great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I guess just a couple of mine, real quick. Um, well, you, yeah, the well, so I did have the the biochip conspiracy in my mm-hmm. honor rolls, um, as well as uh, where did I put it? I lost my list. <laughs> um, I do like the Mon Cal one. I actually kind of forgot about that one. Yeah. Um, it, it, like I said, the only thing it stuck with me is, like I said, because it has Akbar mm-hmm. and it, like, it makes, you know, it gives him a little more history. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, that was probably the highlight of it. And, um, but in the one, I already touched on Attack of the Zillow Beast. Yeah. Um, and then also, I also included the Rookies arc, which is where we're introduced to Fives and yeah. his compatriots. In Domino Squad. I was to say, it's a batch of shinies, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're all new recruits. And then they, there's the one episode where they actually go to, uh, or they're, they're it, it's not, it's like their version of the box, but like they're in the training and they actually have bounty hunters who train them and stuff yes. like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. And then the only other one, like honestly, it's, it's not one of my actual favorite ones, but just for the kind of uh, fan service that's paid here is the Siege of Onderon. Siege of Onderon. Which one's that? It's the one with Saw. <gasps> yeah. Okay. So when they actually, yeah. Because all right. So just to verify, like Saw Gerrera wasn't a character ever until the Clone yes, Wars. Until the Clone Wars. Then they took him from the Clone Wars and put him in Rogue One. Which I mean, it's insane that they actually reversed it that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Someone who wasn't even in any of the books or anything like that, like he was able to come out of the shadows and be like an actual live flesh and blood which, character. Which gives us all hope that someday Ahsoka will appear in real life. That'd be insane. <laughs> what the hell, you know? Um, what uh, What else did I want to bring up? I'm surprised that neither one of us had this. And I mean, I, I'll, I'll say as much that there were a lot more interesting stories, but neither one of us had the Citadel arc on there. Yes. Uh, real quick, the Citadel. Uh, it's like Ahsoka, Anakin, and Obi-Wan get lost in like a, a time bubble, essentially, and end up in a place that is completely made up of the Force. Yes. And there's three people in there. There's the father of the Force, there's the son of the dark, and the daughter of the light, yes. something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. But uh, it's actually the first time I heard this guy's voice outside of the video game, but the guy who played uh, Starkiller in uh, Force Unleashed, mm-hmm. He came back and he's been like prominent in making you well, know as a he, voice actor. Doesn't he do Maul's voice as well? He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Witwer. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, so he was doing the voice of like the evil son. I'm like, why does that sound so familiar? And it's like, oh yeah, he was Darth Vader's apprentice. Yes, you know. Yeah, and he also did Maul's voice uh, through the rest of Clones, and Rebels, in Rebels, and in Solo, and in Solo. Yeah. It's like you and I will be working together much more closely. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good at doing the evil yeah, voice. Yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, Creepy. My God. Yeah. Well, that is a valid point about the Citadel. To me, it's like, it's kind of like tries to go to this like, like, you know, camera obscura kind of like meta level. Yeah. And like, I mean, I get that, but then it's also like hindered by the fact that it's like, you know, kind of still trying to appeal to kids a little bit. And like, That's also true. I, I think the one thing you can get away from it or take away from it rather is, uh, you know, when it comes to the force and how it works. We still just don't know everything, and this is just one of those instances where they're trying to actually spell it out for you and just explain to you that the Force, you know, doesn't exist for the Jedi or for the Sith. The Force is. Right. I mean, to sound very meta about <laughs> yeah. it, but still, like, it is it is out there, and Jedi and Sith are nothing but instruments of the Force. Yeah, and I, I mean, to me, and that's good, like, I don't know that I'm always, like, a super big fan of that necessarily though oh yeah i mean maybe i i mean maybe like what it comes down to is i am a fan of just like you know the the force moves in mysterious ways but like i mean i kind of feel like sometimes when it's more subdued it's potentially better well yeah i mean you you it's it lends to the myth and just the overall power of the force that you just don't know what it can do yes you know uh there's um there's a novel, I think it's considered, it has to be considered uh, Legends now, uh, Catalyst. And I mean, it, it features like a 70-year-old Luke, Leia, Han, Lando, all them, you know. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like it ends the, the run of these characters very nicely. And uh, there's a point towards the end of the book where they are like absorbed with the Force or into the Force. Yeah. And they do a very good job of explaining what they think the force is and stuff like that to the point where like Han experiences himself. But at the same time, you know, it, like you said, it's, it's much more, I don't know. It's much more applicable to leave it as a mystery. Yeah. You know, it is the deus ex machina of the star Wars universe. You know, how did you do that? The force, you know, but that, that also makes just like, uh, what the heck Finn's uh, crack in Force Awakens is like we'll do it together we'll use the Force that's not how the Force works like <laughs> just that kind of crack yeah. is hilarious yeah no, it, well absolutely so um, I don't know and actually I think that's that is a good place to leave this because mm -hmm. I think that could potentially set up something that we might even look at um, next time we get together um, okay you know I think we I think collectively we can kind of share that we've updated our schedule perhaps a little bit Yes. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I kind of maybe teased it like we would do the solo commentary next. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen because, like, the next time we try to record is, like, the day after the movie comes out. Yeah, and I think I, we need to both kind of go through it again and, like, kind of experience it again. And then so like we I can talk about it. Yeah, like I said, I've, I've, I've already listened to the book, but I, it just makes me want to watch the movie again that much more. Yeah. You know, and from anything I can find on, like, YouTube or online in general. You know, you're not going to find the parts that you really want to watch, like particularly the Kessel Run. Yes. So, but, uh, you know, 
that's a good thing to do. Uh, why don't we save that for just the following week? Yeah, and, or uh, even two weeks, I think. Two weeks, rather. I think, yeah. so. so I think what we're going to do, I think we kind of want to do like a little bit of a mystery box episode next mm. time. Okay. Like we're just going to kind of like explore things that we don't understand or or not even that we don't understand, but are like, this is weird, so let's talk about it. More or less. Like, it, as grand and as vast as Star Wars is, there's still a lot that needs answered. Yes. Uh, you know, particularly, you know, how does the force work? How can it do this? Or, you know, how do ships explode in space? And, <laughs> and yada, yada, fire. yada. Yes. Or, you know, how how do the Bombay doors open on The Last Jedi without anyone getting sucked out? Yes. Or whatever. So it, it's all these kind of things we can cover. Because it's one of those things where it does irk me as a Star Wars fan. And we can just, you know, we'll we'll talk for a whole extended period of time. So. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think that's the plan for next time. Then we'll follow that up with our Halloween spooktacular. Ooh, yeah. Then we'll get into Solo. Then we'll get into Solo. Sounds good. Maybe we can bring in some, you know, extra peeps on that. Yeah, that might be fun. That might be a good time to to, to bring in some some friends and family. Sounds good. But uh, other than that, uh, I think this was a pretty solid list. And, uh, well, hell, I had a great time. Did you have a good time? Eh, It was a boring conversation. Eh, I bet it was.